Start over. Yep. <laughs> All right. So somebody go ahead and start us off there at verse 11 and, and go through 15 for us, please. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace. So, so just to help everybody out, when you get a name, whether it's a person name or a location name, you just read it really fast and just keep on trucking. Okay? Doesn't matter if you're even close to pronouncing it correctly. Everybody in the room will be like, oh, that's how you say that. <laughs> Except for the few that might actually know how to pronounce it, and they're like, yeah, that, that's a tough word right there. So you just, just, just push on, John. The following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for many days, for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One of one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Petria, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. After she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Okay, all right. So we're getting introduced to Lydia here in this passage. Uh, we'll hear her or hear about her uh, more throughout the New Testament. And so when we look at verses 11 and 12, what information do we get there? They're moving westward. Okay. So, so they're moving west, moving north. All right. They're going deeper into the area of Macedonia, which is north of Greece. Uh, and so... Um, when we think of context, what's changing? No, that part is not. So, so who, who's traveling with Paul? And that's who we're talking about right now. Silas. Silas. Okay. So, um, and oh, yes, and Luke. Okay. Yep. And then also then Miss Donna. Say yours. And Timothy. And Timothy. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off on that. I wanted to get, get the whole posse going on there. Who's not uh, with Paul at this point? Barnabas. Okay. So Barnabas is, Barnabas is not. John Mark. And John Mark is not. Yeah. Right. And they went eastward uh, into what biblical is Asia, but what we would call the Middle East, you know, that area north, north of the Middle East, uh, not China, Asia. In India on that part. So we get a little bit different region, okay? Much more stronger Roman influence uh, right there along one of the major Roman road hubs uh, on there. Uh, Going to be probably a little less Jewish, more Gentiles in this area, right? Neil pointed that out um, last week <clears throat> where we're going to see more and more where Paul is reaching out into the Gentiles, and, and he's reaching out less to the Jews in there. So we're getting that, that kind of that split to where Peter, you know, pretty much is always reaching Jews. In the beginning, Paul was reaching both. 
but then further into the ministry, further into the regions where he goes, it's less to the Jews, more to the Gentiles. And a big part of that is, you know, the Jews are just not wanting to hear it, uh, not wanting to give into it. He's getting a more receptive audience with the Gentiles. And, you know, he still often will start in the synagogue, but then typically he's a, a Gentile that comes along and says, hey, come to my house, you know, type of thing there. And, uh, and then they invite all, you know, or not all, but many other Gentiles to the area. <clears throat> Anything we need to learn more about the context in 11 and 12? What's the last well, part of 12? Well, I was, I was just going to say that basically, you know, they're going to Philippi, and it talks about it being a Roman colony. Mm-hmm. And, and what's significant about that is that they, um, they're free to have their own government. Uh, they're not paying Roman taxes, per se, uh, like the rest of the non-colonized cities would be. So um, that plays into the story a little later on as we get into this text. Um, but, uh, you know, so there's some things about Philippi uh, that, that make it unique in that yeah. way. It, it's a better place to live. Yeah. Less crime, less trouble. No. So somebody go ahead and reread 13 for us, and let's keep on going through. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Okay. So what day is it? The Sabbath. Sabbath. Okay. <clears throat> so when he, when he says Sabbath, what does he mean? But the, oh, I was going to say that there also, I was going to say that there was no synagogue. For the Jewish to me. Yeah, that, there, there must not be in this area, mm-hmm. you know, because he breaks his pattern of going there first. Okay? Mm-hmm. Right. So then, what does he look for? He's looking for a place of prayer. Mm-hmm. Place okay. for people to worship. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so seemingly, when there was not a building, a synagogue building, there typically would be a designated place, you know, on the countryside somewhere where they would then go and consider it a holy place uh, type of thing. And so that's what they were then searching out. Uh, seemingly they found one. Okay. Um, interestingly, you know, they call it a place of prayer. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Why would they do that? Mm-hmm. Why would they call it a place of prayer? Why yeah. would they pray? Why would they call it a place of prayer? And then we'll, I'll have a follow-up question. <laughs> what, Leslie? Because they're praying there. Yeah, because they literally go there and they pray. Yeah, I mean, it's not that, well, that one. One of the tricky questions there. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know. You're, okay, so <clears throat> why do they go somewhere to pray? No synagogue. Okay, so they, they don't have a synagogue to go to. But but why do they go somewhere to pray? No. Uh, the thing is, is um, my study Bible explains it. Uh, it says, according to Jewish practice, there has to be at least ten men who are required to form a synagogue. Failing that, a place of prayer would be established outdoors, uh, preferably near water. Although various local and reported pagan religions flourished in Philippi, the city likely had no Jewish synagogue for instruction in Israel's scriptures and prayer to the true and living God. Why might they be around water? Baptism. 
I wouldn't say from that, if there are Christians, I would go that route. But being that we're still talking about Jews. Cleansing. What's that? Cleansing. It could be from a cleansing part. Uh, The woman at the well, when Jesus met her in Samaria, I mean, it was to get water for the... And it could be just a place of convenience. Makes me always think of Psalm 1. I'm not sure that that has anything to do with it, but it always makes me think about Psalm 1. I love Psalm 1. If you don't know what that is, I'll let you look for it this week on there. Okay, so keep pushing in there on the prayer part. So why are they going somewhere to pray? Because prayer is special, and they should have a designated place to pray. Okay. Mm-hmm. A place they feel comfortable to connect. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, what's some application that we could draw out of this? Jesus went to a special place alone and prayed. So, we can have a place where we go and pray. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know that that's the setting or the context that we have here, though. That's where we have to be careful on that. I don't know that, I don't think that this is just one person's special place where they go to pray. I think it's where a group of them go to pray. Say it, Scott. Like pray with other believers? Yes. Yes. Say it, Collective worship. Yeah. You know, won't go, Meredith? I was thinking, you know, something like when we say we're called out assembly, you know, it's mm-hmm. just a group mm-hmm. of people coming together for that purpose of praying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not big enough. They don't have, an, there's not enough Jews living there in order to establish an actual mm-hmm. synagogue. So they established this little place to get together and mm-hmm. so, read the Old Testament. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's where I, I really want us to highlight, or I always make sure that I highlight, you know, praying with a group is very biblical. Do we know that these were Jews? Reading between the line, that's where I don't think we can say it definitively, but the way that he describes her. So, somebody, of God. Read, read 14. Let's go into that one. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So that's where I'm gathering. Again, I don't think we can prove it, but it seems like she must have been an Old Testament worshiper. But then once she listened to what Paul was saying there, then she believed in Jesus. Then she believed in yeah, I, I agree we can't say definitively, but the phrase worshiper of God just leads me to think more of a, uh, a Greek, a Gentile mm-hmm who have been exposed to but we can't yeah that. yeah and that's and that's where you know that we have to we have to admit when we draw a when we draw a conclusion how are we drawing that where are we drawing it from and can it be something that's definitive uh, you know that's where we just have to be able to do that and some areas we can some areas we can't Scott so Back to 13, why yes. does it only speak of women? It doesn't speak of any men there. Mm. And, I, and the question is, and were they at the river praying or were they at the river drawing water? Because usually women went to draw the water. So, right. But it's on the Sabbath. So now are they drawing water on the Sabbath? I mean, i got a lot of questions there. That, and, and, and we're not going to find answers to them. 
Okay. Uh, you know, because if, if they're Jews, more than likely, no, they're not going to ga gather water right. on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. But if they're Gentiles, then they could be. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, sometimes we just get more questions. But my push into this is, you know, you've got a group of people, an area where people gather together to pray. And so when we look at some scriptures, there's a private prayer closet. You know, each of us should have that, that designated prayer time with God, that conversation where we talk, we listen with God. There's the praying without ceasing to where as we're just going through the day, we need to leave our spirit being soft and malleable so that the Holy Spirit can kind of nudge us and, you know, put somebody, like Pastor said, um, I don't know if it's Sunday morning or Sunday night, you know, but if, you know, God prompts you with somebody, puts them on your heart, you know, pray for them right there. If you prompt them, you know, shoot them a text or something like that. Uh, you know, so to me, that's that praying without ceasing to where as I'm just going through the day, I'm just trying just to kind of be open uh, to the, the, the Lord's movement, give me a thought, a prompt along the way. And then to me, then the, the third area is where we see corporate prayer, where we see people gathered together, praying together. And I think those are just good, three good applications when we should look at our own lives to be able to think through prayer. You know, how am I doing in my private prayer closet? How am I doing in my praying without ceasing just as I go throughout the day? How am I doing praying with other believers? You know, I think all three are needed. I think all three are important. I think as you grow in Christ's likeness, you will see growth in all three. If you're not seeing growth in all three, then you need to, you know, work with that with God a little bit. And notice, you know, I'm pushing in heavy on, you know, praying with others. You know, that, that's a big fear for a lot of people. It should not be. You know, it's, it's, it's got to be something we turn over to God and push through. That, that we should be willing to pray with brothers and sisters and, and not be intimidated. On that. And that's one of the reasons that I do popcorn prayer. Instead of just opening it up and say, okay, somebody start and we just go. Because sometimes we'll get somebody that's a little further along with their prayer life and they'll pray for like 60 seconds. Well, that's intimidating to somebody that's not there yet. So that's why I say just pray for one point because hopefully everybody realizes, hey, I could pray for one point, you know, and, and go along there. You know, nice, short, sweet. And so I'm trying to give you opportunity to set you up for success to be willing and able to pray with a group of people on that part. All right. So um, something definitely changes uh, there in 14. All right. Uh, how is she described? Uh, seems like she's wealthy because of the dye or purple. I guess was very expensive to make yes. dye. So I'm assuming she was wealthy. Yep. Anytime in the Bible when you see purple. That's there specifically to let you know contextually, money. Whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, in the Middle East, just as Cindy was saying there, that what it took to dye cloth purple was in short supply. So it's supply and demand. And so if you're a dealer of purple goods, you, you got finances yourself. And you're going to make more money as you sell more purple cloth on that. You know, does the color purple represent a king? It, it can, 
and it can be used that way, but <coughs> it doesn't have that from a biblical perspective. Well, what about when Jesus was, when the, uh, one of the, the boys, when they put purple robe on him? And that's where you get the contextual of yes, but yet that's not the Bible saying purple cloth is the cloth of kings. So we've got to be careful, you know, was it used to recognize? Yes. But is the Bible saying that this is? No. So that's where we just have to be careful on that. Did I do okay with explaining that? Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. If I didn't, then you just have to tell me a little bit more on there. All right. So then somebody uh, go ahead then and read 15 for us. And when she was baptized in our household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. When we think about, when we read passages like this in the Bible, sometimes we can have a misunderstanding because we don't know the contextual situation that is in an area where the gospel is new. Because most of us have been in the United States and most of our life is in the United States and the Bible and the gospel has been around us our whole lives. In many third world countries where Jesus is just being introduced, you see large groups truly believe when they hear the story of Jesus almost at the same time. Now for us, again in the United States, we don't experience that. And so when we read a passage and after she was baptized and her household as well, often that's where we want to read into that that, well, the reason they got baptized was because of her or we want to put some other attribute into it or reasoning into it. Uh, well, the whole family got baptized. And then that's where you'll get people that are you know, reformed in their theology, Presbyterian in their theology, to support infant baptism. And so that's where we're not going to go down that direction. And that's why I want to paint the picture of, again, today in 2024, when you go into a third world country where the gospel hasn't been yet, Many times you'll get stories that are just like this to where once they tell them the story about Jesus, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not like, you know, one kid goes down the front and, and, and they get saved, so then all their buddies go down. You know, that's a, that's a Western problem. Right? This is actually, they've been searching and nobody's ever told them, and all of a sudden they hear it. And they don't have the inoculation against it like we do in the West. And so a ton just believe. You know, you think about Pentecost. You know, kind of that same situation there. And so I just want to make sure that we highlight that because somebody, uh, there are some that would misuse that passage and the other ones like it where a whole household, whole household gets baptized and, and want to read into that. Ms. Donna? My Bible says that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he was already, um, the Holy Spirit, I guess, was just kind of opening and getting her 
And that's where, depending on what word or what phrase or how you say it, everybody within Berean is okay with saying, well, you know, God is the one that, you know, brought me to salvation. But if you go a little bit further and you say that, you know, well, you know, there's an elect and, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's the, uh, can't think of the word I was trying to say, sovereignty of God, then they'll go, some will go, whoa. Well, there's a fine line there because everybody will say, well, yeah, salvation is a work of God. But then how much of a work of God is it versus a work of man and man's responsibility? So you just kind of have to think through that. And that was a perfect opportunity. Thank you, Ms. Tom. But yeah, without the Holy Spirit at work, none of us would come to salvation. No matter where you are on the spectrum there. Anything else from 15? What's one application that we see that Lydia has? Hospitality. Hospitality. She's very much quick to invite them to come, take care of them, say, hey, my house, here we go. Good stewardship application being seen in there. Anybody else say anything on 15? I got a question. Go, Brian. Uh, is it weird to anyone else? Like, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, like, what, is, what does that mean? It's probably just a really Probably should have, like, really begging them to stay. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's kind of a, a flowerful, I don't think we get it, translated in 2024 into 